Coming to you from the mountain fortress of pop culture. You're listening to Time to Talk. We don't do crack. We don't do that. Your crack is whack. Welcome to The Fortress, where the strains of Whitney Houston are echoing throughout our hollow caves. We're here to talk about one of the greatest vocalists who ever did live. Her interpretation of songs remains the blueprint for all of today's divas. And this debut album, of course, it is self-titled because they all were, is one with a terrible reputation, one that everyone, except mega fans possibly, simply assume is full of a handful of fantastic famous songs propped up by mediocre filler. And it's just not true. Whitney Houston, the album, is heavenly. Simon and Lee, welcome to Time to Talk. Hello. Hello. She was one of the greats. I will never, ever stop missing Whitney Houston. It was a massive tragedy when she passed away in 2012, right? Yes, it was. I mean, yeah, there was like a huge pause. It was that was kind of like, are we making our mind up whether it was or it wasn't? But no. oh my God. <laughs> mm, yes, no, it was. It, it was a very unexpected um, death, I think. Very shocking. Really? Yeah, for me, I think. Yeah. I know she had the troubles, the troubles, um, as they say. <laughs> But, yeah, I was quite surprised. I'm not sure I was. There was very tight security at her cremation. Apparently her ashes had an estimated street value of half a million quid. (laughs) Come on. Oh, dear. Oh, give us a break. They were relying on a periodic table during the autopsy. Come on. The woman was high-class addict, and she lived it, and I loved that about her. Actually, I've got a quote here. Where is it? It was... um, I'm sure you're both familiar with this. First of all, crack is cheap. I make way too much money to ever smoke crack. Crack is whack. How good is that? Who says stuff like that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember that interview. Was it like Diane Sawyer's or something like that in America? Yeah. yeah. Very salty. Very salty interview. There was a there was a horrific photograph. I think her sister had taken a photograph of her bathroom um, to kind of like shock her into like saying, "Look, this is how you're living." Um, and I don't know if it was shown on a, on a on that. I think it might have come years later. That, if I recall, bit of an eerie premonition too, showing her the bathroom, isn't it? A lot of stuff went down <laughs> in the bathroom in Whitney Houston's life. <laughs> this is going to go down well with the fans, isn't it? This well, this is the man. <laughs> There's that wonderful story that I that I love about um, Bobby Brown spooning poo out of her ass. Oh my what? god! What? Yeah, because she because she was so high she couldn't she couldn't go to the toilet. She couldn't do a number two. Yeah, so he had to uh, spoon it out. Every little step, hey. Doesn't the body just take care of it? Well, she was probably constipated, but she was probably like really, really desperate. And is it dangerous time. or something? I would imagine so, yeah. Oh. Mate, you will. 
Depends how oh, long good grief. To be well, that's a good segue into the classy sophistication of the debut <laughs> album, which is called Whitney Houston. And actually, Lee, you, you just made a point there, and I've been meaning to say this in a podcast for a while. We don't claim to be experts on this show. This is... So sometimes people write comments, these people don't know what they're talking about. Fact number one, wrong. Fact number two, wrong. Yeah, that's the fun of it. We get half of the information we're about to give you is wrong. And it's your job to to run to the internet to fact check everything that we we say. Have we made it up? Do we actually believe it? Yes, most of the time. Actually, that would be wrong. If the podcast was a show where we were just making things up i would disagree with that but we believe all the untruths that we tell on this show yeah they're based in some strange fact <laughs> <laughs> well i'm very good at rewriting pop history apparently so you know yeah you yeah you are you, you are. really are though you're the, yeah. you're the king so of it daddy Minogue hits how dare i <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, it's a bit of a stretch i've got to say um <laughs> So when we look at this album, it's this is such a sign of the times that it was released in, around 85, right? So it took 55 weeks to reach number one in the US. But once it got there, it spent 14 consecutive weeks at the top. This was mega. Wow. It was huge. I love the fact – it was like Madonna's debut album. That took a long time to slow burn to the top as well. And this is a really interesting fact that hopefully is true. It became the first time a female African-American had a number one album in Australia. Oh, wow. I I really challenged that, by the way, so that I do believe this fact is true because I went and scurried around. I thought it can't be true. Surely Carol King or someone before Whitney Houston. But no, as far as I can see, it's 100% accurate. Um, This is really interesting this part of the story so she releases a debut single it was thinking of you it's on this album but it's quite curious it wasn't promoted as a single uh, even though it is recognized as whitney houston's debut song it was released before the album's release and it became a top 10 in the hip-hop charts and very strangely to me it became a b-side later on so what's that so if it really was the the debut song why would it later be a b-side It's really odd to me. And then if you consider, too, that she, in 1984, before thinking of you, she duetted with uh, Teddy Pendergrass in uh, in a track, and that caused all kinds of controversy, which I'm going to get into a bit later. So it's very interesting. When when somebody asks you what's Whitney Houston's debut song, the technical answer is thinking of you, but it didn't have a video, and it was later a B-side. And, yeah, and it wasn't promoted as a single. But you can go on eBay and find a single version of it on vinyl. So, Did you say uh, that Whitney Houston was the first black person to have a number one and then say, I thought Carole King might have done, or Carole King's white? Oh, shit. Yeah, I thought that for a second, and I was thinking, am I getting confused? Yeah, me too, and then I had to Google it, because I was like, I'm sure Carole King's white. No, I was thinking of um, Donna Summer, sorry. <laughs> and they're not even similar. No, they're no. not even similar. No. So we are a racist country after all, I'm glad yeah. we just found that. Just proved, just, <laughs> just proved your point there, too. <laughs> I asked the question and through my behaviour proved the point, I love it. <laughs> We'll see how many people comment on that. I won't edit it out. So most people seem to think You Give Good Love is the first 
Whitney Houston single. And I understand why they think that because it had a video clip. Have, it, have either of you seen the video clip for You Give Good Love? Uh, is it is she wandering around an apartment? No. No. So no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. I'm sure it's in another Whitney. This is, it's like soft porn. Basically, there's this awesome vintage camera, which wouldn't have been vintage at the time. It would have been state of the art. And this guy, I don't know, he's preparing to film an ad or something like that. And then he notices Whitney standing up there and singing this song. And of course, he puts in a different lens, snaps it in, and then oh, you get his perspective. Ha- yes. It moves. I have seen it, yeah. She mm. has a horrific hairstyle oh, in the video dumb. it's wonderful it, it's kind of it's kind of like a mullet it's not no. quite a mullet it's very big yeah it's not not yeah it it's, was the 80s i know but it wasn't good oh, it's horrific i'm watching it now yeah oh, it it's it's got a soft lens vaseline all over the lens you never shoot up, but he's shooting up and she's looking down, which she still looks fantastic. But, yeah, it breaks a few rules. But, yeah, it's it's very much like um, soft porn. And her teeth are so white. And they didn't even have teeth whitening back then. I'm amazed. She looks she, so- she was beautiful. There's Ooh. no no doubt about it. She In, in that, the videos in the early years, she was absolutely flawless, apart from the mullet wig thing that was oh. going on there. <laughs> well, it returned for the bodyguard period, I have to say. It looks very similar to me. But then again, I'm not very good with my fashion. <laughs> I love this song. It's, 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 it's a great song. And it marks the, the whole album for me is romantic and sophisticated. You would never, ever pick that this is a 23-year-old singing these songs, probably 22 when she recorded it. It's incredibly, it's incredible as an album. What do you both think of the album as a whole? I can't, I have mixed feelings about it. I think, like you say, she was very, very young when she recorded it. And I don't know whether it was kind of a case of record producers and managers found these songs and said, we want you to sing these, Whitney. I don't know how much she was involved in picking and choosing the songs because they are mature beyond her years at that time i think um there's a there's a lot of ballady you know middle of the road ballady type stuff that i'm not keen on um but the big ballads i do like well come on simon you must love it because this is uh you know lee's known for not liking romantic pieces <laughs> of work because his, his 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 heart is like a lump of rock but it is you've got a romantic heart no, so I don't like. I controversially don't really like Whitney Houston. Oh, but because I don't like any of her big singles, apart from kind of the Bodyguard onwards. Um, so I don't like any of the earlier stuff at all, really. So I'd never given this album a chance because I really, really, really despise the singles that came off this album that weren't. The ones that we just talked about. So, and why um, is that? Is it because they were everywhere at the time and just oversaturation? Yeah, I, oh, yeah. I think so. I, I also her voice is far too clean for me. Like no. I, I always liked a bit more kind of roughness in a voice, and everyone always goes on about how incredible her voice is, and I, there are other people I'd rather listen to. Um, I, I think so. I love the first half of the album. Um. And then it kind of starts to go a bit downhill for me. 
But I, I, oh. I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Really, really surprised at how much I enjoyed it. It's one of the great things about this podcast. We go back and revisit some albums that we might not have given a close look to at the time. Mm. And like I say, I think that this album suffers from a bad reputation. It suffers from that idea that it's got brilliant singles, but the rest of the album is filler. And it's funny you say about what input did she have into it. Whitney is never known for writing her songs, never got criticised for it, funnily enough, probably because of the amazing talent she had with her voice but people like Kylie who might not write a lot of their work get you know absolutely um, flogged for not having input Whitney Houston didn't write any tracks on this album I'm interested that Saving All My Love For You was allegedly written uh, the lyrics at least around uh, Jermaine Jackson because Jermaine Jackson was married at the time but was having a torrid affair with Whitney Houston he's done a duet on this album as well and the lyrics of Saving All My Love For You are allegedly about uh, Jermaine Jackson. Well, but it's a cover though, isn't it? I don't think that one is. Greatest Love Of All is. No, is so it's a cover. cover. Yeah. You're joking me. No, I check. Let's, let's have a look. Saving All My Love For You is a song written by Michael Massa and Jerry Coffin with blah, 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 blah. Um, it's a cover of the song. Was recorded yeah. by American singer Whitney Houston. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I did not know that. For Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr. in 1978. There you go. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, let's change the story then. I'm glad we prefaced <laughs> this particular podcast with all the um, <laughs> all the non-true facts you're going to get. Well, maybe she was thinking about Jermaine Jackson when she sang this song. That's what I meant maybe. to say. <laughs> well, he's... He's on two of the songs on this album, isn't he? Like he he duets on one of them, but I think he wrote and produced two of them. Yeah, I'm obsessed with. Yeah, he had a big hand in this album. By the way, looking at this cover that you've just taken me to, saving all my love for you, the single cover. <laughs> That's quite funny. Whitney Houston with a horse walking through the ocean. Yeah, that is a on. that. That is a random know. image, isn't it? <laughs> the horse has its like um Fabio hair flapping in the wind, and she's yeah. wearing one boot. What's wrong with her leg? Can you see this? Yeah, I, I, it it is a very bizarre image. Yeah, is she saving all the love for the horse? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's why would they do this? <laughs> that is that's really strange, and. Mm. Am I wrong? Is there something between the horse's back two legs? It might just be his tail. That looks like a penis, doesn't it? <laughs> Don't we think in some of the stuff for this album, not in necessarily the cover for the album, but in that video that we talked about <laughs> and in this image, they're trying to make her like a second-rate Tina Turner? Oh. Yeah. They were absolutely trying to curate a new artist. They knew she was the next best best thing, the new biggest thing. No, when I say they, there was a handful of people. And this is what I found interesting about when you both said about the songs, you know, there's great songs and some of them just sound like they were slipped in there. They had trouble finding people to write songs for this album. A lot of people refused and said, no, thank you. Mm. She was not picked up. And a lot of these people go down in history as the biggest fools ever because they are the people that, and there's a lot of them, who turned down Whitney Houston. A lot of them did. I suppose it's always a gamble, isn't it? You never know who is going to be the the one that, you know, hits the big time and becomes mm. a superstar. I mean, she had a, you know, there's no doubt about it. She had an amazing voice. It was, it, you know, particularly um, in the, the uh, you know, 
Simon likes the rougher side of her voice, but you know, very gospel. I mean, she came from a gospel singing family, didn't she? So, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was a stunning set of pipes. I think maybe that's what, what I don't like about it. Maybe, maybe because I'm not the biggest gospel fan. Maybe that's what it is. I just, I mean, she's she got. It's not that she got a bad voice. I just don't think it was ever necessarily to my taste. Thank God she was found is all I can say. But I also take Simon's point too. There's uh, she's She did become later in her career a bit of a victim of the type of music that she was expected to produce, I think. It was always needed to be these soaring ballads and that's what she became known for. It was her thing. Like yeah. the Bee Gees had their thing and their mm. sound. Whitney definitely had her thing and her sound. Mm. Although later on in her career, she did kind of break out of that mould and she did go and record music that she liked Um you know, it became quite urban and quite R and B over the over the years. Yeah, which I think is the stuff I prefer. I think it's kind of similar to Mariah Carey, to be honest. Like we talked about when we talked about Mariah's first album, I'd never heard it, and it it you know it's not that I don't think she's talented. It's not I don't think she was a good singer because she was, but I it was just never really my vibe. But I was I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this album, and even there's a and there's an expanded edition that's on Spotify and it has some remixes on it, which are really good. And it has the uh, Jelly Bean remix of um, How Will I Know, which I much prefer to the album version. Let's go through some of the tracks on this. We've got You Give Good Love is track number one. Thinking About You, if there was filler on the album, I'd say this was one of those songs. But oh, I like again. it. Yeah, so do I. I really do. I think this is an album that you've got to listen to as a whole. I put it on when I'm doing writing at night, subtle lights. It's winter here in Australia, so you've got a bit of a doona going on. It's a lovely album to put on. It's, it sets a good mood. And this is, you know, it's a good song. Simon, you've noticed something interesting about Someone For Me. Yeah, I when I was listening to it, I just really felt like it sounded like something that could have been on Dua Lipa's Future Nostalgia. So I think maybe that was what she was kind of going for that I hadn't, I hadn't noticed because obviously I'd not heard it. Um, listen to that with a brand new ear next time I listen to it. Kind of gives me vibes of that and kind of vibes of uh, Disco by Kylie as well. Saving all my love for you. Come on. We've all heard this song a billion times, right? Is that why we're so immune to it now? I still, I like it. I still like it. It's, mm. you know, considering, it, it, I mean, the song is about her having an affair, isn't it? Um, and yes. I had no idea about the 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 Jackson connotation. I didn't know she had an affair with him. I, I'm 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 shook by th- by that information. Um, <laughs> I I like it. I like the video. Um, Can yeah, I shake it's... you a bit more? Sorry, I'll take you off on that tangent a little bit. They would go double dating. So Hazel Gordy, right? That that's who Jermaine was married to. Hazel was the daughter of the big founder. Um, I think his name was Barry um, of Motown. The founder of Motown. His daughter was Hazel Gordy, Gordy, married Jermaine. Jermaine's having an affair with Whitney, but get this, if you want your mind blown, um, the brother of Jermaine, Jackie, was going out with Paula Abdul at the time, and the four of them would go out on double dates, while Hazel presumably is back in the mansion not knowing a clue of what's going on, or maybe oh, having a clue yeah. and writing her own tortured songs. Yeah. See, now I'm imagining some sort of like dance-off for the four of them, you know, 
Um, <laughs> that 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 is that is that's legendary. Um, yeah, yeah. All, so- all, all shoulder pads and um, <laughs> big hair. syncopated dance moves. Yeah, why mm. not? And a couple so of Jackson. Was, was this pre Paula Abdul working with Janet Jackson? And yes. is that how she got the job? Oh, they were, they were all connected. This is a little community, and a lot of people don't realise, you know, it was a, a little community and all this song. That's why you can hear so many similarities in a lot of tracks too. They were listening to each other, inspiring each other. And when you look at dances especially, like you'd know this one, Simon, like uh, Paula Abdul's dance moves, uh, before I even knew that Paula Abdul had anything to do with choreography for Janet, I was like, wow, these two have some similarities. Yeah. And they all just were pushing each other to a higher level. I loved this era. It doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't seem to anyway, mm, except for no. things. The only equivalent I can think these days is when you had um, a couple of great songs written by Taylor Swift and Katy Perry because of their feud, um, you know, yeah. Swish Swish, although some people would argue that's not a great track. I love it. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I love it. So do I. But, you know, that's what's meant to happen. You're meant to go, I want to be better than that one. Prince and Michael Jackson, far out. If they didn't live in the same era together, we wouldn't have had all the great music that we got from both of them. They were trying to outdo yeah. each other. And Madonna trying to outdo everybody at every point. Mm. Exactly, exactly. Um, so say uh, the singles on this album, though, go, the, the one that I said at the beginning, what was that again? Uh, Thinking of You. Then we got... The other one, You Give Good Love. Then we got All at Once, uh, which comes much later on the album. But All at Once was single number three uh, or two, depending on what way you look at it. I love this track as well. I'm obsessed with it. It's beautiful. So I'm imagining, Lee, you might not like it so much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, again, I'm looking at the thing. She's the, the cover is of her with another horse. Um, what is going on with this horse? Um, I'm going to go yeah. and look at it. If you click on it, it's the same horse, um, just a different angle. Um, <laughs> is it from the same photo shoot? Qu- quite possible. This is it, Whitney. We're going to go for singles, and we're going to go horse, horse in the sea, um, <laughs> an off-the-shoulder number. I that's bizarre. Um, I, I, I did again. I didn't mind it. Do you know, a lot of the the, the ballads on that album all had the same. Um, keyboard noise that was kind of a fake piano very 80s sounding i love that synth i love it it's on it's on madonna's debut album too i feel the same sort of slight tinniness to it right yeah and you kind of going to think oh is this is this that song no it's a different song they kind of used it on a lot of the different tracks um on her album but i you know i didn't mind it i wouldn't you know turn it off um you know i'd ride a horse to it it's great (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one of the one of the nicest lyrics that I've heard in a song is um, I started counting teardrops and at least a million fell. Like it's very yeah. visual. It's in a few words, in like something like between six and ten words, you've got such a graphic. Can we talk about you're zooming in on all the single covers, which is becoming quite a disturbing little investigation <laughs> for us all, I've got to say. What about the album cover? How amazing I think, does yeah. she look? It's beautiful. She looks beautiful. It's 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 stunning. It's um, very eight again. Very. I don't know if it's a very eighties, but it is. It's very eighties. Um, but yeah, she looks amazing. 
looks like she's wearing some curtains that would have been hung up in the Ritz Hotel around the same time. <laughs> and again, they're going for this whole sophisticated thing, like the, even the colour and this is meant to be romance, sophistication, maturity, and I think they nailed it. And it, they've got the Vaseline over the lens again here, which adds up Ooh. to that first film clip as well. Mm. But and I think if it you turn it round, sorry, Lee, but if you turn this album around, you've got something that a lot of little boys would have been rifling through and pulling that out and taking it to their bedroom back in the day. <laughs> Not these two little boys here, but, yeah. you know. Um, what, what, happens, what happens when you turn it around? She is in a very skimpy white... I don't know. I can't ever describe clothes, but the swimming costume, <laughs> it's, it's not very sexy, um, but it, like a, um, what do they call it? What's a good name for a swimming costume? That's bikini. No, not bikini. Bikini? No, it's a one Lear piece. Todd? Yeah. Anyway, she's standing there and she's stretched out. Like it leaves little to the imagination. She's got a killer body. Um, she just looks well, amazing. She was a model, wasn't she, before... I didn't know that. Yeah, she was a she was a model. So that's I think a lot of the her poise in some of the early photographs is very, very typical of a model. Mm. Am I making this up, or does she do beauty pageants as well? I think so. Yeah, I think, I think she, she did. did. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, Nobody loves me like you do. It was a duet uh, track number five on the album with Jermaine Jackson. And then How Will I Know, one of the biggest songs, one of the most notable songs in her career. Mm, um, banger. Of people writing it. So, uh, come on, you, either of you like this one? Oh, I love it. Mm. I, I Yeah, no surprise because it's a banger. And, um, yeah, and I watched the video today and I was like, is this the video for I Want to Dance with Somebody? Because it, it looks literally yes. the same. I don't know. Whether, was this the last single before... She no. went on to release that because it's very, very similar. Yeah, greatest love of all was the the finest uh, final single of this album, um, which of course was the George Benson hit back in '77. Um, and she just did one nasty thing to the song um, to change it because it's pretty much the same. She changed it from the greatest love of all to greatest love of all. And there was six months in between the release of. How will I know in the release of Greatest Love of All? Yes, but that's how that's they did it back then, Simon. It was great. That's why this album lasted for so many years in the charts, about three years on the US Billboard charts. Yeah. That's how to do it. Although Kylie seems to be applying the same strategy at the moment with disco. I know this is about um, Whitney and not anyone else, but uh, that's how Janet Jackson managed to have hits in three years with one album. She was the only mm-hmm. artist. I think the only art, still the only artist ever possibly to have like one number album. one singles off one album in three years. Mm. Absolutely. Because she released Rhythm Nation at the tail end of one year and then she released like six singles off it or something. Mm-hmm. So she ended up carrying that through into like 91 because it was released in 89, wasn't it? But they they stayed in the charts for much longer yeah. then than they do now. Now it's they're in and out in a week. But then they would be in, in they would get start off low and then progressively get higher and higher over weeks and weeks and weeks until they kind of reach their optimum chart position. Um so you kind of understand why it took, you know, a, an album launch took that long. 
And I loved mm. it. They they wouldn't push all their best songs out first. They were brave. I feel like Kylie did that with disco again a little bit. Like she saved a few better songs for later. But like with Janet's Rhythm Nation, she released Love Will Never Do quite late in the piece. Whitney's final yeah. one was Greatest Love of All, which is arguably the greatest single off this album as well. Uh, Michael Jackson did it with Thriller. The actual song Thriller was way, way late in that campaign. So, yeah, I think I think there's something to be said about it. I don't understand. I know you can't do exactly the same thing these days because of streaming, but you could apply the same logic a little bit, surely. I'm, I'm obsessed with the duet um, track number eight on this album, Take Good Care of My Heart. I have no idea if it's popular among the fans. I never hear anyone talking about it, but every time I play this album, I'm quite obsessed. But it's sugar, it's sweet, and it's pop. So for me, it was always <laughs> going to grab me. It's really, really good. I was very disappointed when I found out it was Jermaine Jackson singing. Have a listen. I'll just give you a quick flavor. That's quite upbeat. That's quite perky. Yeah, it's perky. That's a good yeah. way of putting it. I like that. <laughs> Just like the back cover. Um, <laughs> um, we have to do this now. I know we're going to do it a, a little bit live while we're doing this podcast, but l- please let's look up the the single covers for the others. I'm going to give you – can one of you do this while I tell you what the singles were? We need okay. to know if a horse appears in everything, okay? <laughs> now we're on to this investigation. So the first track was Thinking of You. That doesn't have a horse. I know that because I looked it up on eBay to find out. If no, it, was it just has. It's single. like a black and white picture, isn't it, of Whitney? Yeah, yeah, pretty dodge. Um, and then we've got "You Give Good Love." Um, that seems to have the same. Album. Yeah, same album cover. Yeah, really? Yeah, Ooh. really. Is she, is, is she the... in a slightly different pose, or is there more? I've got to look at it now. Is there yeah, more? Yeah, from the same session. That's the same shot. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Well, that's very disappointing. What about All at Once? Did we look that up yet? All at Once? Yeah, that's horse. That's horse. Saving All My Love For You? I don't think that's horse. Let's have a look. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's another horse one. Oh, yeah, that's the horse. Yeah, yeah, different. different. Yeah, she's looking into the distance. The horse is looking directly at you. Yeah. Hmm. You're making me want to look them up. I can't find that one, but there you go. Um, and then, how will I know? How will I know is not a horse. Thank you. What is that? Oh, it's very eighties. It looks like she could be in Saved by the Bell. Yeah, she's like it's it's, <laughs> it's so pastel. It's untrue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She looks like Lisa Turtle in Saved by the Bell. Yeah, she does. Yeah, <laughs> I love Zach. He's cute. Um, there's that kind of vibes. Yeah. Awesome. And what about greatest love of all? That's got to be sophisticated. I hope she's there not is no pi- there is no picture for it. Anymore. Yeah, there is. What is the picture for that? It's just her with really, really big hair. Look at oh. her. Not even like not the horse kind of poking between the hair. No. no. <laughs> it's a black background with her with really big hair, where someone's obviously got a handful of her hair off camera, <laughs> and they're holding it up because. No. they're clearly pulling it from one side and she's like looking really sexily into the camera and she's got like a turquoise top on and she's looking over her shoulder and then it's it's really badly like the typeface is awful like it's just her name at the top and then a blue band at the bottom with greatest love of all on it 
Yeah, perhaps people will, you know, people taking the record back and saying, "I don't like the horse's voice on this song." Um, the last single what was the greatest love of all I think that that um, cover now that I'm looking at it myself is meant to be a parody of the girl with the pearl earring you know the famous painting do you think yeah I am I'm I'm wondering if it was inspired or maybe it's coincidence but it seems very similar to me do you think someone's holding her hair Um, maybe right at the top not side to side that would hurt if it's true (laughs) but that's what it looks like because that chunk of hair is out of shot well, I hope she doesn't have sensitive scalp syndrome because that would have been a very painful photo shoot. I think someone's holding her hair on that no. side because, <laughs> because the other side is completely flat. <laughs> oh, God. Poor Whitney. She went through a lot in this debut project, didn't she? <laughs> it is all over the place, though, isn't it? It truly is this whole project, like the spacing of the, the singles the the ambiguous single number one the album covers the horse is absolutely it, it's so bizarre i'm hoping someone leaves a comment and lets us know what's the symbolism of the horse yeah um, at the grammys um she was not eligible for the best new artist category can any of you guess why is it something to do with how, when it was released? They kind of like said, well, it was released the year before, so then she's not eligible. No, that's a good – because it hang around for so long, that would be a reasonable guess. But no, it wasn't to do with that. It was to do with a couple of things. She was not eligible because she had duetted with Jermaine on his album the year before. And as I said to Teddy Prendergast um, – there was a song with him in 84 as well. So because she'd actually, and they were quite clear that their eligibility criteria was that if you have had a label credit or an album credit, even if it wasn't as a featured artist in any previous year, you couldn't be eligible for the best new artist category. Oh. But guess what? He, that sounds a little bit reasonable. That caused all kinds of like shade. You have no idea. There were people campaigning and saying this is wrong. It was actually pretty big. But here's the twist. You can go, they're the rules. Sorry, I'm not going to change the rules. But other artists had been nominated in the same category despite plenty of previous record credits. <gasps> um, so oh. we're looking Cindy Lauper, Luther Vandross, Carly Simon, uh, Stills and Nash, they had all been nominated in that category despite having credits. So the question has always to this day remained, why did Whitney get singled out? What politics was behind that? Was she the only black woman? Because I know you said Luther Vandross, but she thinks That's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't think they've ever – some people basically call it a conspiracy so at the 28th Grammy Awards, however, in 86, she received four nominations. Of course, we know the one she didn't get nominated for, but she got nominated for Album of the Year, Best Female Pop Vocal Performance for Saving All My Love, Best Female R&B Vocal Performance for You Give Good Love, and Best Rhythm and Blues Song for You Give Good Love. Uh, and it did. she did one, win a, Gram- a Grammy that year, the Best Pop, pop Vocal Performance, Female. So she she did all right. She still got a Grammy. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And I don't think there was an actual specific tour to support it. I think she kind of did a lot of like theatres and festivals. It's, it, it's saying here that she was also, she she supported um, Luther Vandross um, at one point um, during the album. She did a lot of promo for this album. She performed on the Johnny Carson show with You Give Good Love, which I, I love that track. I still love it, and I'll say it again. Uh, David Letterman, she performed Saving All My Love for You. And then Joan Rivers, who was hosting, you know, she used to fill in for the Johnny Carson show. She did Saving All My Love on there, and she did an interview with Joan on uh, during that track. She was everywhere. This was obviously the beginning of The Diva. Yeah, it's yeah. No, I know what you mean. I I have never, to my knowledge, bought an actual Whitney Houston original album. Um, I have the greatest hits, the 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 particularly the one that was the double CD that that came out. That was was it the one that had the fast one CD that had fast songs, and then another Ooh, CD yeah. that had the slow songs. Yes. Um, I forgot about that. Um, but I would never. Yeah, I don't think I would ever buy. An actual album. I think the only album I bought was was, but was it was it called "I'm Not Your Baby, uh, Baby Tonight"? Or what was it? Was that the actual title of the album? Be my baby um, tonight. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is called "I'm Your Baby Tonight." Yeah, that because that was quite poppy. That that was more pop than I'd heard before. But I loved the singles and I loved the, the you know the well known tracks. But oddly enough, I've never really enjoyed a full original album from Whitney. No, I, I actually completely forgot that she released that double CD with the slow. Didn't um, George Michael do the same thing, I think, He as did, well? yes, yeah. Um, mm. and, 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 and ironically, I think that they did a duet together, didn't they, um, Whitney and George Michael, and it was on both of their Greatest Hits album. Um, mm. It was a cover of... Um, this is going to be really awful because I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to say that what if it was actually the one I was going to say was Mary J. Blige. You see, yeah, I'm getting confused now. Yeah, did she did no she? Oh no, she did a duet with um, Enrique Iglesias, didn't she? Did she? Yes. Um, if I told you that, and oh, the video that. was kind of yeah, the, the video was yes. kind of him perving down her top in a yes, discotheque. I remember that. If I yeah. told you that. <laughs> if I told you that. Was it Enrique yeah, Iglesias? If I told you that. Yeah, if I told you that, yeah, they did. A, they did do a song together called uh, "Could I Have This Kiss Forever." That's the one. It's factual based. This podcast, we're getting it right, <laughs> left, right, and center. Yes, that's the one I was trying to think of. I'm old. Yeah. I don't remember everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking at the greatest hits now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was one was called Throwdown, and the other one was called. Yes, um, that's right. Throw down and chill down, or something. Chill out, chill out, or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, I actually thought it was really clever as a concept yeah. at the time. Yeah, and it came yeah. in a big, thick CD case, which yeah. bothered me because it wouldn't fit in my CD drawer. Ah, uh, but the the cover art was amazing because she was like in a room nailing her gold and silver discs to the wall. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I I genuinely miss her. I I think that not only the songs and the music, but the she was the diva, you know? I love that. Uh, you've gone and watch her Oprah interviews. Like, someone who makes Oprah on edge, I mean, you've got to be a diva for that. And she did. She <laughs> she really put Oprah on edge. Um, she was awesome. 
Uh, you can watch on YouTube. I know I hate these sorts of videos usually, but with Whitney Houston, you can watch um, her di- her most diva moments or something like that. They put <laughs> the compilations together. They're awesome. They're really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. She was. She was. She was a true, a true, unapologetically a diva. She didn't. She didn't kind of apologize. She was like, no, this is this is how I am. Well, Lee and Simon, thank you for helping us review the debut album, Whitney Houston. By the way, before we go, what is that? Why did every debut album in the day have to be called the person's name? What's that about? Well, it's, okay. I'm here. This is my album. This is my name. This is my horse. That was what it was all about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but imagine, yeah. I just I, the ego that gets wrapped up in entertainment and, and theatre and all of that is something that's so foreign to me, I just can't get around it. I just can't imagine releasing an album with my face looking serious called Tim. Like I just, it, it's the ultimate arrogance, and yet we we accept it from these people. I would buy that album, Tim. Just Tim. <laughs> it's actually not I a bad idea. Put it somewhere. Yeah, I mean, if the cover was you with a horse in the sea, I, that would be that would be a mega seller. Now I've always imagined if I ever did release an album, it would be very Stephen Dennis though. Oh, very, turned up leather jacket. And my hands, if you can just imagine for a moment, I'm doing it now, sort of shaped like a gun, like a pistol pointing <laughs> upwards. <laughs> oh, masculine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, something oh, like that. Very, some sort of secret phallic symbol with my fingers. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> oh, God. It's been a pleasure, my friends. Thank you so much. You go to bed and I'm going to go and um, have my coffee. <laughs>